Blog Talk Radio. The opinions and views expressed by the host and guest are not necessarily the views and opinions of the Blake Radio Network. Broadcasting, broadcasting, broadcasting to the world. Broadcasting to the world, to the world, to the world. BlakeRadio.com. Music for your mind, body, and soul. Talk Radio Dr. Jennifer Daniel, and you're listening to Healing with Dr. Daniel on Blake Radio Network, Rainbow Soul. This is Tuesday, November 4th, and it is 6 p.m. Eastern Time. So if you don't know, I'm broadcasting from actually rainy Panama. We're in the rainy season now, and um, we have just switched back from Central Time to Eastern Standard Time, even though our clocks did not change one minute. Really exciting. Okay, what is happening tonight? I'm telling you, <laughs> it's some things are just unbelievable. So today's uh, topic is how the modern-day employee is literally becoming a surf without land. Through the Affordable Health Care Act, your employer, if you are employed, now has the right to direct your time outside of employment hours, not only without giving you increased compensation, but actually using it as a condition of decreasing your compensation, even though you thought you had a contract. So stick around, think, happen. And so uh, this is this is just shocking. And so if I can tell you how this started, like <laughs> how could I pick a topic like this? Someone actually sent me an email. So you guys can send your emails to uh, support at vitalitycapital.com if you have any topics you want to suggest. I actually do read these emails, and I pick topics. So this person says, I am hoping you will consider doing a radio show about health insurance, biometric, and wellness screenings and incentives. I have found out that rules about this are in the Affordable Care Act and that these screenings will be coming more prevalent. That sounds like a pretty bland email. I said, well, let me look into that. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I could not believe it. So in order to understand what's going on here, you need a little bit of background. First of all, what is gainful employment? 
gainful employment means that you engage in an activity and you're exchanging your time for money. The money is your gain. And you agree on a wage or a salary. Let's say your employer agrees to 40 hours of your time for a certain amount of money. Deal. Sounds reasonable. I, I thought so too. Then the employer says you must do his bidding for 50 hours a week. Then he says if you do not do his bidding for the 50 hours a week, the additional 10 hours a week, he will take back part or all of what he promised you for the first 40 hours. Now, some of you listening to this might protest. I would hope that you would at least find something wrong with this. So this basically amounts to, um, you know, the dollar bill on a string. You know, you, you kind of put it out there, and then you just pull it back and say, ah, you work 40 hours, you don't get paid. Now, is it that bad yet? Pretty close, pretty close. Because you have to realize that your pay is not your pay. So if you earn, say, you know, $50 an hour, $25, just kiss it goodbye, it's gone to taxes, then, you know, another portion has gone to health insurance premiums, another portion is to the gas getting back and forth to work, Another portion to your dress for success wardrobe, and before you know it, the amount you have left at the end, at the, you know, for food even, becomes very small. And a penalty from your employer of say a thousand dollars a month can really weigh very heavily in your pocketbook. Now we had a um, parallel to this in the mining towns. It was called the company store. Basically, a person would move to a town owned by the company. They would get a wage for working in the mines, and the company owned the house he lived in and charged him rent, owned the store where he bought his clothes and his food and charged him for that. And at the end of the month, the employee always ended up owing the company. Somehow, the wages were never enough. Now, I remember a song when I was a kid, you know, 16 tons and what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. And so what the song meant was you go into the mines, you mine 16 tons of coal, and all you get is deeper in debt because, of course, it's the company store. The company owns everything. And so this is the road we're heading down right now. Now, this way of things that I'm not being condescending, I went through this same thing, actually, as a, as a young doctor, I went to work for an employer, and the employer says, hey, great job. We're going to pay you $40,000 a year, so it amounts to 15 minutes a day of work, five days a week. I said, well, that sounds pretty good, pretty good. Uh, I knew other doctors, and they had a job, and, you know, it was great. Well, then the employer said, well, uh, we want you to do these additional, take additional classes to learn how to put on a mask. We want you to do this class on how to wash your hands. And it's just what the topic was actually irrelevant. The point was the classes took up additional time without additional pay. And it got to the point where the so-called classes took up more time than my actual work. And it was fast approaching the point where the job became no longer financially attractive because the total time that was being demanded by my employer was, of course, far greater than, you know, what it took for me to do 
what was ostensibly to be my job, which was to take care of psychiatric patients. Now, so who was my employer? Who was my employer that kept sliding the bar here and um, squeezing the time-wage ratio? It was the government. It was the government. Now, ultimately, uh, you know, I stopped working that job, but the point is that this is a practice that the government itself engages in, and um, for the government to not only condone but set up a structure like this is, is, out, is outrageous. So let's take this down uh, to what's, what's going on now. So that's bad enough. It's bad enough to keep your wages steady and have your employer increase, 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 increase the time you have to put into satisfying his requirements. And so now the Affordable Health Care Act is taken a step further where employers or employees can be subject to losing as much as $2,000 a month of what was already promised to them. And if you're an employee, um, you know, $2,000 a month in after-tax revenue, so, so, so it adds up a lot of money. Let's see how this works. It's what I call the Affordable Care Act. And um, the Affordable Care Act, they encourage, in fact, even require employers to have uh, rules. There's regulations on workplace wellness programs. Now, if you've been listening to my radio show for any length of time, you realize the medical standards for wellness is just, Forget it. Uh, you know, there is no place for wellness in an insurance plan of any kind. Why? Because we know that the standard of care, the standard doctors adhere to, has been murdering somewhere in the neighborhood of 880,000 Americans every year. And so you're going to go to the medical industrial complex in order to uh, create wellness programs. Okay. So in other words, these people, whether it's the medical industrial complex or whether it's the uh, FDA with this food pyramid, really lack credibility on this issue of even knowing what constitutes wellness. So on May 29, 2013, the Department of Labor, Health, and Human Services of the Treasury released final regulations that implement the Affordable Care Act non-discrimination requirements for wellness programs. Now, this misses the whole point. This, by the way, was my total, for those of you who don't know, I'm African-American, my total objection to the civil rights movement, my total objection to the concept of discrimination was, it's okay to mistreat people as long as you mistreat everybody equally. It's like, no, how about we mistreat nobody? But it, So what this is doing is it's, it's a takeoff of this very bad example set by the uh, civil rights movement, which is that as long as you don't discriminate, as long as you treat everyone who is similarly situated in a similar situation or similar way, then you're not discriminating and it's okay. So the fundamental question here is does your employer have the right to do this is never addressed. It's your employer can do this as long as uh, everyone's abused equally. And, of course, that's not exactly what people are, are, are up for. 
So let's just let's take a look at what they're saying here. Regulations on workplace wellness programs have been released. So these regulations clarify and reorganize the rules outlined in previous proposed regulations to ensure that every individual participating in a wellness program can receive the full amount of any reward or incentive regardless of any health factor. Okay, so now we are uh, experimental rats in a maze receiving incentives, we'll call it cheese. And so this is effective for plans the years beginning on or after January 2014. In other words, it's only in effect. And it adopts the existing HIPAA non-discrimination requirements for health contingent wellness programs. In other words, this is a program that's contingent upon uh, your state of health. And it increases the maximum reward, read penalty, that can be offered under these programs. And just so you understand what a penalty is, there's something called a health insurance premium, which under the Affordable Care Act, everyone has to pay. Okay, but let's just say you have a health insurance premium. For the sake of mathematics, we'll call it $100. But you know you're going to have a wellness incentive. You're going to get discounts. So you just inflate the price, make it $300 a month. And employees who participate in biometrics, employees who agree to have their um, body violated, I call it unreasonable uh, search and seizure, to um, have themselves violated, if they agree to this violation, then they get measured, and let's just say your biometric, this means a measurement of your body, and for the sake of discussion, we'll keep it simple. We're going to measure your weight. Let's just say your weight does not fall into the parameters of what your employer approves of or considers to be healthy. However, he's arrived at that, and we'll talk about that later. If you fall outside that range, your employer can penalize you, which means require you to pay, in this case, the $300. So let's say people with normal weight, they can pay $150 a month health care premiums. But since you're outside that biometric measure, you have to pay $300. And the way you do this is you just simply raise the price of $300 and you give discounts off that $300 for people consenting to participate in the programs, to have their privacy invaded, to have their bodies probed and fondled and measured or whatever it amounts to. And let's say the person falls outside this range, the person's outside this range, then the employer gets to design an activity for the employee to do, an activity that does not necessarily have to take place during work hours. And the employee must comply with this or lose the incentive, which in this case would be $150 a month. It doesn't sound like a lot of money, but over a 12-month period, it's costing over $1,000. What if I walk up to you, pat you on the shoulder, and say, hey, give me $1,000? We'd call that robbery, not wouldn't we? So what we have going on here is we have the government compelling employers to impose upon employees standards of wellness that are totally questionable, totally questionable. Um, you can't accept standards of wellness from an industry that has such a high murder rate. And you certainly can't accept a standard of wellness enforced by a group of certified professionals called physicians whose life expectancy is less than that 
of the average American. So you've got an industry with a poor track record with standards being enforced by a subgroup of Americans who have exceptionally poor health outcomes. Okay, so I've mentioned the lack of validity of the standards, the lack of validity of the enforcers, but of course the real issue is what is an employee? Is the employee a child? Is the employer a parent? You know, which, so what has been established here by the law, by the Affordable Care Act, is that the employer, the locum parentis, for the employee even outside of the workforce. This, this is amazing. And so what do they say? Final regulations. So non-discrimination rules for health contingent wellness programs such as giving individuals an opportunity to qualify for the reward each year. It's only once a year. They can measure your biometrics once a year. And if your measurement falls shy of whatever the standard is, that's it. Sorry. You have what amounts to anywhere from 150 $125, it can be high, as high as $2,000 a month penalty that you've got to pay for the full following year before you can qualify to meet the requirement again. Okay, then there's two categories, activity only, which means you have to put in your time uh, at your employer's uh, direction, whatever that activity is, and outcome-based which means your employer tells you you have to have a certain outcome. Maybe it's a 10-pound weight loss. Maybe it's a 30-pound weight loss, whatever. And you have to achieve that outcome or you fail to get the so-called reward. Now, remember, if you've ever been to a 50% off sale, they just simply double the price, and then they say, oh, you have a reward. You have 50% off. And so that's pretty much what's going on here. And then increase the permissible reward for meeting a health-related standard. So the reward is permissible is 30% of the total cost of employee-only coverage, or 50% if the program is designed to prevent or reduce tobacco use. Now, so the weight loss example I gave would only qualify for 30% discount. So tobacco use is 50%. Now, the regulations, okay, apply to grandfathered and non-grandfathered group health plans, and group health insurance coverage for plan years beginning on or after January 2014. In other words, after January 2014, there are no exceptions. All wellness programs have to fall into this. So employment-based wellness programs, two categories, participatory wellness programs, that means you have to show up and do something. And health contingent wellness programs, it means you have to be something. You have to either lose a particular weight or you have to lower your cholesterol or your blood sugar, or whatever parameter your uh, employer deems to set. So this distinction is important because participatory wellness programs are not required to meet the same non-discrimination standards that apply to health contingent wellness programs. So we have a different standard for each one. And if you're not confused yet, you must work for the government. All right, participatory wellness programs. These are ones where you have to show up and do something. So they do not require individuals to meet a health-related standard. In other words, you don't have to get a result. To obtain a reward, the reward being a discount on your health insurance premiums. And they may not offer a reward at all. Examples of these programs include a fitness center reimbursement program, 
diagnostic testing program that does not base any reward and outcome. A program, in other words, they'll give you the, the discount if you agree to get diagnostic testing. Program that reimburses employees for the cost of smoking cessation programs, regardless of whether the employee quits smoking, and a program that provides rewards for attending a free health education seminar. Okay. So, again, what we're doing here is we're basically um, impinging on this person's time after work, essentially without paying. Now, this would all be laughable and really be no big deal if participation in the insurance portion was discretionary. So in other words, if you say, you know what, I'm going to smoke, and I'll tell you what, keep your health insurance. I'm not going to get any health insurance. I've got my own discount. That's the best discount of all. And, you know, I've, I've talked to people who are paying as much as $4,000 a month in health insurance. And so somebody can say, hey, I'm just not going to even carry health insurance. And I'll smoke all the cigarettes I want. And then that person, of course, has had a $4,000 a month discount. I think that's pretty cool. But they say, no, 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 no. You have to buy insurance. You have no choice but to buy insurance. And what are you buying insurance with? You're buying insurance with the wages that you thought you earned from your gainful employment. And then what does the, the employer say? We're going to give you back a portion of this. We're going to call it a reward. And it's amazing when you can rob somebody and then make them work to get back what you stole. That's what we have going on here. I mean, even if you're not sick, it'll make you sick. So activity only, we covered that. Outcome-based wellness programs require an individual to attain or maintain a certain health outcome in order to get a reward. For example, not smoking or certain results on biometric screening or meeting exercise targets. Um, generally, these programs have two tiers. One uh, is measurement only. And two, a larger program targets individuals who do not meet the initial standard with wellness activities. So in other words, you, you do the outcome, which is you consent to the measurement, the measurement falls outside, and then you get kicked over into the uh, participatory where all of a sudden now your employer has a right to commandeer your time without paying you any money. So to protect consumers from unfair practices, health contingent wellness programs are required to follow certain standards related to non-discrimination. Now, again, it's nice that they're not discriminating, but what about requiring that the program be a even be effective or that it even improve health? Or what about the whole issue of self-determination, just a human being? Or just being a human being? Now, of course, many of you know I write these jokes. I, I, I am so moved and irritated by this that I actually wrote a, a comment. And I'm going to read it to you. It, it's, it's actually dark here. And somehow my light got unplugged, so I'm going to read this to you in the dark. These two guys are talking. The first guy says, oh, man, got too many masters. 5 p.m. Today, the government wants me to compose or complete an email form, XXYY, and email it off. My wife wants me to clean the rabbit cage. Doctor says i got to walk for 30 minutes. My employer... So not to attend a weight loss class. I'm stressed. Second class, hey, just pick one. 
first guy says, well, if I disobey the government, I get a $10,000 fine. If I disobey my wife, no nookie. If I disobey my doctor, I get reported to the NSA via my electronic health records and labeled as a non-compliant terrorist for being a free thinker. And if I don't, if I disobey my employer, I get a $1,000 per month surcharge on my health insurance, my monthly premiums. So second guy says, darn, you could lose $24,000, your sex life and personal freedom at 5 p.m. today. Makes you long for the good old days of rugged individualism when each man was his own master. And that's really where we are, you know, under color of concern for health. The employer has been given the right to deprive a employee of his freedom after work hours. And it's being basically even to deprive the employee of his wages because the employer can basically set the um, health insurance to whatever he wants and then discount from there. Frequency of opportunity to qualify. Opportunity to qualify means opportunity to avoid this onerous penalty. Once a year, only once a year is the employee allowed to attempt to meet these requirements. And so obviously, there's a terrible, terrible incentive on the part of the employer to increase these biometric uh, parameters such that no one can attain them. And then, of course, he gets to keep more of the employee's um, wages, especially if you have an employer, you know, who has a self-insured plan, you know, there's all kinds of different ways to uh, transfer this money. Size of the rewards. And again, 30% and 50%, pretty simple. Oh, this is the worst. So it's bad enough they can tell the employee what to do. Now they can tell his wife what to do and or her husband what to do. I mean, you go to work, and now you find that because you work a certain job, your employer can tell your spouse what to do. So how does this work? For health contingent wellness programs, that means ones that do uh, outcomes, allows a class of dependents to participate. That means your children and your spouse. That means based on what your children and your spouse do, you can, can get or not get the reward or discount. Now, how does this affect family dynamics? You're trying to get the kid to clean his room, and now you're going to have to pay more in health insurance premiums, maybe $125 more or whatever. That's more than his allowance. And this is a monthly, you know, monthly thing. So you now have a situation when the old day the person would earn earn income, whatever it was, guy, man or man or woman, the person earning the wages would come home and they could decide how that money was going to be spent. Not anymore. You go to work, you get this you, you have this wages on paper, but then your employer says, Whoa, I'm holding back this portion and you're not going to get it unless your wife does this, unless your children do that. And so what happens then is the employer is insinuating himself into the household, into the family. Remember there were the old days where you got home at 5 p.m. and that's it, just 
just turn off work and turn on family life? Not so much anymore. And tell your wife, honey, do you cook that? <laughs> it's going to cost us $1,000 in health insurance premiums. I mean, I can just hear the arguments now. Um, so now the final regulations do not set forth rules regarding apportionment of the reward under a health contingent wellness program. Instead, plans and issuers have flexibility to determine the apportionment of the reward among family members as long as the method is reasonable. So, literally, your employer can give your teenage kid the power to submit you to a $200 penalty, either by throwing a fit, refusing to go to a class, or whatever. You imagine you've got an ADHD kid, and the employer uh, decides that this some health biometric needs to be measured, it involves the kid maybe attending in, uh, a class on uh, behavior modification or something, and the kid refuses to go, and therefore you don't qualify for the discount, that can take a, make an already difficult situation more so. What it really does is it wipes out the authority of the adults in this picture. And if you have, if you have two adults and no children, it does is it drives a wedge between the two people where, again, instead of having a relationship between the two of them, they have a relationship between the three of them, the employer, the employee, and the spouse. Reasonable design. This will really get you. This, this don't beat all. So the final regulations continue to require that health contingent wellness programs, remember health and wellness, be reasonably designed to promote health. Reasonably designed. Can you imagine going to court and you can convict somebody on reasonable cause? A little higher bar than that, please. A reasonable design to promote health or prevent disease, whether activity only or outcome-based. And so it doesn't have to be accurate. It doesn't have to be truth. It doesn't have to be verifiable. Not even supported by research, just reasonably designed. A wellness program is reasonably designed if it has a reasonable chance of improving the health of or preventing disease in. So what's a reasonable chance? Is that a 30% chance? In other words, if a person does what they're told, and they, do they need, does the employer need to have a method that's 30% effective in order to have the right to impose it on an employee? It's pretty vague. Okay. A wellness program is reasonably designed to have a reasonable chance of improving health or preventing disease in participating individuals and is not overly burdensome, is not a subterfuge for discrimination based on health factor, and is not highly suspect in the method chosen to promote health or prevent disease. Now they say you're not allowed to discriminate, but if a person is a cigarette smoker, they can suffer a 50% surcharge. Well, that's obviously discrimination. They say don't discriminate, but please discriminate. Okay, got it. While programs are not required to be accredited or based on particular evidence-based clinical standards, in other words, the employer does not need to have any evidence that what he's asking the employee to do benefit health. And this is this is okay. These practices may increase the likelihood of wellness program success and are encouraged as a best practice. So they're encouraging people to just, uh, you know, have at it. Just uh, exploit, abuse, and uh, 
browbeat this employee. Final regulations continue to give plans and issuers, I mean, don't, let's not, let's be clear. This is the employer and or an insurance company. That's who these people are. Flexibility to consider innovative programs for encouraging wellness. You know, maybe they're going to pull out your fingernails. Maybe they can do blood lighting. Um, you know, maybe measure the dimensions of your genitalia because a study was done saying that genitals of this dimension are correlated with, health, with, with wellness. You know, there is no limit to the extreme that an employer can go to to literally terrorize and humiliate an employee under this method. This is outrageous. And then the person can only be so sick, right? They're healthy enough to hold down a job and go to work. So it's difficult to justify compelling them to engage in any kind of wellness program because they're already well enough to work. Although we're going to get to that uh, rationalization because there's a, a, a prominent employer that's being sued uh, because of these programs, and guess who's suing them? The government, but we'll, we're going to get there. All right. So it doesn't need to be any kind of uh, scientific basis for the likelihood of the wellness program being effective. And they have, of course, uh, flexibility. And so ensuring the program is not subterfuge for discrimination, okay. Plans and issuers may establish more favorable rules for eligibility or premium rates for individuals with an adverse health factor than for individuals without the adverse health factor. So in other words, if you have an adverse health factor and you correct it, you can actually get a lower health premium than an individual who was healthy and had no adverse health factor to correct. Very interesting. This is like the... Uh, D minus kid in the class getting the award for the most improved when he gets a C plus. And then the A students, of course, are told, and eh, you know, you, you were A students anyway, and uh, no recognition for you. Well, in this case, it actually, you know, comes down to, to money, a person's ability to pay their bills, to buy food, uh, you know, have a place to stay even. So the final regulations require that the full reward under the wellness program be available to all similarly situated individuals. In other words, if the individuals are not similarly situated, they don't need to be treated the same. Under the program regulations, a health contingent wellness program must, in certain circumstances, provide a reasonable alternative standard or a waiver of the otherwise applicable standard and provide different reasonable means of qualifying for the reward to the extent that a plan's initial standard for obtaining a reward or portion of reward is based on the results of the measurement related to a health factor, such as a biometric examination or health risk assessment. And biometric can be anything. It can be a cholesterol level, it can be a CBC, it can be um, the person's height, it can be their weight, um, it can be a binding, it can be just about really anything that's measured. Final regulations provide clarification on this requirement, and, and these are the final regulations. This is this is absolutely shocking. So, issue may issuer may provide a retroactive payment with a reasonable time after the end of the year, but may not provide pro rata payments over the following year. 
So in other words, the person can't get partial credit. <laughs> Either you you met the requirement or you didn't. And payments for the retroactive period are pro rata over the remainder of the year, as long as the method is reasonable and the individual receives the full amount of the reward. Under final regulations, plans and issuers still have flexibility in designing reasonable alternative standards and determining whether to provide the same reasonable alternative standards for an entire class of individuals or on an individual by individual basis. So anything you do on an individual by individual basis is necessarily discriminatory. In other words, you're doing something for one person and not another. And so really, it's impossible for your employer to totally comply with this plan. What this means then is every employer is subject to being out of compliance, number one. Number two, every employee is subject to the whims of their employer. It simply creates a situation where the employee has zippo, zero control, not only of his work day, but time after work. All the facts and circumstances are taken into account in determining whether a plan or issuer has provided reasonable alternative standard, including but not limited to the following factors. And again, what this does is it establishes firmly that the employer has a right to even request or require any of these. And that's the real issue here. The issue is not, is it discriminatory, is it not? The issue is not that the person has a reasonable, reasonable opportunity to comply with whatever it is. The issue is, should he even have to? And the answer is an absolute no. I mean, if you're healthy enough to show up for work, get through the workday, and perform your job uh, adequately, then uh, your employer has absolutely no business in your health. But let's see what Honeywell says. Honeywell, those of you who don't know, is a uh, major employer in the United States. So Honeywell needed to have a press release. This is, this is, this is a big deal. Honeywell responds to the EEOC, that's the uh, Economic uh, Equal Opportunity uh, People, frivolous lawsuit to stop companies' biometric screening for employees. Okay, so we have here the anti-discrimination company, or league, I won't say corporation, but division for the government, suing Honeywell over its biometric screening for employees. Uh, so the Chicago EEOC office is unfamiliar with the details of our wellness programs and woefully out of step with the healthcare marketplace and with the core intent of the Affordable Care Act. And so again, they're missing the point. The point is there is no place for the employer to have this kind of authority at all. And so what the government is saying to this employer is, we don't like the way you exercise your authority. Of course you have it, but we just don't like the way you exercise it. And so this is sure to add stress to really any and every workplace. So if you refuse biometric testing, then you just don't get the reward. And if your health care premiums are uh, any amount of money at all, it can mean a difference in income. This is net bottom line income to you anywhere between $100 and $1,000 a month. And that's a fair amount of change. And so Honeywell descends its program. The incentives in our wellness programs are pro-consumer and have delivered demonstrably better health care outcomes for employees and their families. So we're saying our ruling, our, our employees has been benevolent. And therefore, 
we've been good rulers. Well, why should they rule at all? That's the real issue. The incentives we provide are specifically sanctioned by two separate federal statutes, the Healthcare Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, which is HIPAA, and the Affordable Care Act. Honeywell's wellness plan incentives are in strict compliance with both HIPAA and ACA's guidelines, which were designed by Congress to encourage healthier lifestyles while helping to control health care costs. No Honeywell employee has ever been denied health care coverage or disciplined in any way as a result of their voluntary decision not to participate in our wellness program. Now, I have to read between the lines here. They haven't been denied health care coverage. They haven't been disciplined. But they didn't get the rewards either. So let's read about, we're going to see what the rewards are. Biometric testing provides valuable private information to each employee about potentially life-threatening issues. Honeywell wants its employees to be well-informed about their health status, not only because it promotes their well-being, but also because we don't believe it's fair to be employees who do work to lead healthier lifestyles, to subsidize the health care premiums for those who do not. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So basically, the fact that health insurance exists is being used as a pretense to dominate the lives of all employees. Why? Because through the methods of insurance, now all these employees' economic fate, supposedly, is connected. Everyone's paying health insurance premiums, and so if you're engaging in unhealthy behavior, maybe you're not using condoms, maybe you're not buckling your seatbelt, maybe you cross the street when the light's red, who knows, risky behavior though, then you should be penalized. And Honeywell actually has a penalty for it. Let's see what it is. Biometric information will help all employees make healthier decisions. Over 60% of Honeywell Biometrics participants have reduced at least one health risk. Now, again, we know, for example, that cholesterol lowering with cholesterol medications lowering its health care risk, what's been designated as a risk, is actually not beneficial at all. So, Again, Honeywell, in their benevolence, is it? Hearts in the right place, um, has decided um, that it's going to use these standards. They reduce at least one health risk. And so, what's been defined as a health risk, it changes from week to week, year to year, and certainly generation to generation. And encouraging more participation is the right thing to do. For employees with single coverage, who voluntarily decide to take biometric screening, their monthly premiums will be $125 lower than employees who decide not to take a biometric screening. Well, what is a $125 penalty except, penalty except being disciplined? <laughs> you know, the cop pulls you over, writes you a ticket for $125, you've been disciplined. But Honeywell thinks they take $125 out of your paycheck, and that's not disciplining you. All right. Okay. I got it. I got it. Biometric results are strictly confidential and not shared with the company. We're proud to provide employees with the opportunity to lead healthier lifestyles and are disappointed that the EEOC would take a position that is so contrary to a fundamental component of the president's health care plan, legislation passed by Congress, and the desire of all Americans to lead healthier lives. This is this is uh, this is written by uh, media contact Robert C. Ferris. I'll give you his number nine seven three four five five three three eight eight, and Rob Ferris at Honeywell.com. Okay, so what's really going on here 
what he's talking about, NDOC taking a position that's contrary to a fundamental component of the president's health care plan. The fundamental component of the president's health care plan is the patient as slave, the patient as subordinate, is, is coercion, is taking away the choice. That's what's central to the plan. And what EEOC is, 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 is very true to that plan by treating the employers in the same manner it has given the permit employers permission to treat the employees. And alarmingly so, uh, when you read the health care um, parameters in the Affordable Care Act, it does give employers this authority. And pretty soon it will be mandatory for them to actually exercise it. So if people have questions about that, they can just click their little question button. We have our call-in is 914-338-0695. And that's 914-638-0695. And we have, of course, our chat room going on. If I can find it. Hmm. There it is. We have our chat room going on, of course, and people can um, check it out at healingwithbrdaniels.chatango.com. Okay, so... Let's see if we have questions here. All right. My uh, chat room director is going to get these questions together and or I can find them. The chat room is actually on a scroll thing and all the questions can scroll out of, out of reach. All right, let's check and see if we have questions online. Um, all right. Hi, you're naming your question, please. Hello. Hello. Hi, you're on the air. Can, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Oh, hi. Hi, Dr. Daniels. This is Yvette Roper. I am just uh-huh. want you to know I'm so happy to talk to you. I just really discovered you about a week ago, and mm-hmm. I am just so happy that I discovered you about a week ago. I'm in the process of listening to all of your podcasts that you have, and I'm just so excited. I'm just so excited. <laughs> so, but well, what I wanted you. to ask is that, <laughs> you're welcome. Um, I was listening to your podcast on October 9th of 2012 about heart disease hoax. Okay? Yeah, that's right. And, yeah. um, so I currently have high blood pressure, and um, I am, like, on um, ACE inhibitors called Luzartan, um, 25 yep. milligrams twice a day, and I want to get off so bad. My body just cannot take the side effects that it gives me. So I was just happy to hear that I can get off of it through diet and exercise. I just need right. to, if you could just give me some type of foods that I can eat, and is it safe? you know, to just stop automatically, or should I just wean off of it? And I, I, I was listening to your podcast about drinking, you know, uh, what is it, a 60, every 60 pounds, drink a quart of water or yep. something like that. Yep. I'm trying to do that. But I so just, the best I thing, mean. Let me tell you the best thing to do 
is you can go to the huh? website by Teori, by Teori Capsules. That's actually the same place you go to listen to the radio things, and just click on Discovery Session, and then you click on okay. Discovery Session, and then we sit down and chat about you know what's reasonable for you and what you might want to do going forward. Discovery Session. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so yes, actually I, it is it is possible to wean off and um you listen to the show so you know exactly what your medicines are doing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I don't like it. <laughs> right. I don't like it at all what the medicine's been doing. Not at all. So I just I'm just again a friend of mine, um, I think she's listening, her name is Vanessa Roper and she um sent me your link and I am just so happy to talk to you and to you know, meet you over the phone, and yes. you—you, I mean, you draw people in, you know, with just your words, and I'm just so excited. Okay. All right. Uh, to, I look forward to talking to you. Huh? I look forward to talking to you in the discovery session. Okay. Sounds great. Okay. All right. All right Thank you. Bye bye. You're welcome. Bye. Okay, we have one other question here. Hi, you're on the air. Yes. Yes. Dr. Daniels, do you have a question? Yes, hi. Hi. This is my first time calling from Puerto Rico. The first time that I'm calling, I'm calling from Uh Puerto Rico. Oh, nice. Welcome. Yes, yes, yes. I've been trying to, because they sent me email. On my on my email, and I need to know more about the product, and also about the turpentine uh, remedy. If this is real or this is what? <laughs> yeah, it just has a little louder. Oh, about the turpentine treatment. I need to know yes. more about your product. They send me an email today. My email is Moreno Bay. At Gmail, I need to know more about the product. It is a contact number to your products, and also okay. about the time. Um, can you go to? Uh, you can go to vitalitycapsules.com and just click the contact us button. What's your name? It's vitalitycapsules.com. Mhm. And okay. click contact us. Okay, okay. And I'll give a number, you call me back? You can, um, yeah, contact us. You can just um, enter your your email and your information. We'll email you back. There's also a number you can call. There's all kinds of information right there. Because I'm very interested about, you know, you're doing the tempertine the treatment, you know, dealing with that and also with the, with the product because, I hear for Rico, there's a lot of people dying from cancer and all that stuff. And oh. I'm very impressed that you have. Mm-hmm. Right now I'm being diagnosed with cancer, but I'm doing a lot of fasting. Oh, yeah, you know? fasting is uh, fasting can be pretty helpful. Uh, we're also having you know, a relaunch you know, of, the, of the relaunch of the Turpentine Instruction Program. So if you go to vitalitycapsules.com, you'll see the details there. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm very interested to leave, you know, to know more what is the proper dosage because I'm very, very impressed, you know. You should use Tempertine to clean, to clean when you when you paint. Yes, that's the one. That's it. <laughs> so 
So you can use any type of time. As well, I mean, it's got to be the right the stuff that, you know, thins your pain. You know, if it's not good enough to thin your pain, it's not going to heal you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So how but go to the website, you'll see some details about it, and then you can click contact us if you have more questions, too. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. You. So you're going to Okay. Thanks. Thank you, doctor. Okay. You're welcome. Okay. Let's go check out the chat room and see if there's any questions in the chat room. Oh, here's the chat room. I found it. All right. So, <laughs> okay. So I said, if we say no, they lose power. Absolutely. The, really, the only way to get around this, <laughs> don't work for Honeywell. Um, but really, you know, be self-employed, that's one. And two is to, um, you know, you got to let go of your health insurance. Now, through your health insurance, through the ridiculous pretense of saying they don't want you squandering the money, your neighbor's money, by golly. And so because they don't want you squandering your neighbor's money, they're going to give you instructions on how to live your life in great, minute detail and penalize you if you don't do it that way. That's exactly where this is going. Um an employer is just that, an employer. You give your time, they give you money. That is it. They do not have and should not have the authority to run your personal life, interfere with your spouse or children, or even make requirements of them. This is an extreme level of um, interference. So um, what... It needs to be avoided, really, at all costs. <laughs> and uh, somebody was talking to me uh, today, actually emailing me, he was very upset about this email I got where someone, a uh, doctor told him they needed to be admitted to the hospital, and then he found out Medicare wouldn't pay for the admission, and so he was very upset. He didn't get admitted to the hospital, but his health in no way suffered. And so he felt, therefore, that... Um, Letters should be written to certain politicians to make sure all recommended hospital admissions are paid for. Well, wait a minute. The medical care was unnecessary. It was of no medical benefit to him if he had been hospitalized, and probably a fair amount of harm because 10% of those hospitalized do get hospital-acquired infections. So um, this is where we're at with this Affordable Health Care Act is that it has become a wedge to dominate people, dominate their lives, control them, and literally return them to servitude. I mean, your employer can make requirements in your time that don't even have anything to do with improving your health or preventing disease. I mean, the the Act clearly says that all he has to have is a reasonable uh, intention. Well, who's to measure that? And so don't be an employee. Now basically um, a hazard to your health to be an employee. Say nothing to the fact that it doesn't pay. (laughs) 
Okay, and someone in the chat room says, just being healthy isn't good enough. Exactly. Just being healthy is not good enough. And because it's not about health, it's about controlling your life. It's about dominating you. It's about ruling you. It's about turning you into um, a slave. And it doesn't even matter who's slave. Anybody's slave. Everybody's slave. A slave to the insurance company. See, the insurance company can make any of these rules it wants. So a slave to the insurance company, a slave to the, your employer, a slave to the government. All these people have the right to rule your life, and all of them can uh, make conflicting requirements. That's what, that is the true origin of stress, is when these people place requirements on you that are conflicting and requirements that you don't have the freedom to resolve. You can't say, hey, you, take a hike. All right. I'm going to do what you, you say. Or you can say, you know what? You're all full of stuff. I'm not doing any of you. say, i got a better idea. I'm going to go do that. No, can't do that. No can do. No can do. you got the Honeywell Nanny Committee here, and uh, they know what's right for you. By golly, they ask the doctors, and they check with the health care officials, and when these health com- parameters improve, why, that's just great. Why don't you ask a diabetic who's using tight control and uh, – his blood sugar goes too low, he dies, and they classify it as an accident that can see all the diabetic deaths, right? You know, so we have these parameters of blood sugar control. People comply with them, but they don't live a minute longer. We have a hypertension defined as a disease. People take medications for it. It lowers your blood pressure. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. No problem. Again, they don't live a minute longer. So we have all of these health parameters that we know to be invalid, that we know to be ineffective, and we are going to penalize people who don't comply with them. And as for being overweight, you know, I am not overweight, so I'm going to confess, I am slender. But epidemiology tells us that overweight people live longer. And so now we're going to put people in a weight loss program because they're obese, because they're overweight. You know, this is, uh, this is absurd. And this is simply, again, another way, another backdoor way to assert control over your life by people who don't even know you, don't even care about you, and simply taking away your right to spend money that you earned. That's what gets me. <laughs> so, you know, it is unbelievable. We have only 90 seconds a day, left to go, rather. So, little plug, visit vitalitycapsules.com or drjenniferdaniels.com. Um, check out our new release, of the Candida Cleaner Program. It's a three-part live uh, tele-session where I answer your questions and share with you um, new breakthroughs and advances in the use of turpentine. So that's the place to go. drjenniferdaniels.com.